Boone of St. John's, Newfoundland is a senior medical student at Memorial University of Newfoundland in Canada, but she's not your typical medical student. Her background is a little different. I did my undergraduate degree at McGill University at the Schulich School of Music, and I majored in orchestral trumpet performance and I minored in music history, and I loved it. Most people think of pre-med students as inevitably science majors, biology, chemistry, and the like. Or at least they load up on classes like organic chemistry. But not Hannah. Even though she planned to go into medicine all along, she admits her path is unusual and wouldn't have worked to get her into some medical schools. There's some places where you need science prerequisites, and I didn't have any because I didn't do any science courses in my undergrad. The people that I had known who had gone to university here in Newfoundland for medicine, it was kind of common practice for music students to apply and get accepted here. And so I didn't think that it was too outlandish to think that maybe I could get in. But I definitely noticed a difference speaking to people in Newfoundland versus in Montreal, where I did my undergrad. And here, if I was home in Newfoundland speaking about wanting to go into medicine after music, people would just be so excited and be like, oh, yeah, I know so many people who did that. And it seems really great. But then in Montreal, people would look at me like I had two heads and be so confused as to why I would be doing a music degree or why I thought I could ever get into medicine. So I guess it was something I noticed along the way. While a lot of people may think, what's music got to do with medicine? Clearly, Memorial University's Faculty of Medicine is looking for students with more than technical knowledge. And they found that those who have an arts background rather than a science one do just fine. We don't care if you've taken organic chemistry. You know, that probably will help you on your MCAT to have that knowledge. But fundamentally, that's not a requirement for us to be suitable for admissions here at our medical school. We look for students that have a university degree, rather, but they do not have any specific prerequisites. That's Dr. Barton Thiessen, Associate Professor of Anesthesiology and Assistant Dean of Admissions for the Faculty of Medicine at Memorial University of Newfoundland. A music degree holds certainly as much validity as an organic chem or a biochem degree, and we certainly wouldn't put a preference on either of those. We look more at how the students have done and performed and the references they've gotten. As well, we look at extracurricular activities, longstanding volunteerism, interactions with community, and sort of altruistic type of activities are really important for us at this school. While a fair number of medical schools have warmed up to liberal arts majors over the last couple of decades, most music majors figure they have to give it up if they want to go to med school. Sticking with science looks like an advantage, but Thiessen isn't so sure. Clearly, medicine is rooted in a bunch of the fundamental biologic sciences, and I think that was initially thought to be sort of the best way to demonstrate your aptitude for medicine is to do well in those sorts of fields, but doesn't seem to bear out longer term in terms of any particular benefit? I don't think that I'll be at any disadvantage because the first year, I'm in my second year now, and my first year of medical school, a lot of that is kind of the things that people would learn in undergrad if you did a biochem degree or physiology, a lot of physiology courses. And so I definitely had to learn all of the science that I need to know to become a physician in medical school. And it definitely wasn't easy to learn it at the pace that they teach you in medical school because I think it's mostly kind of presented as a review to most people. So it was hard to learn those things for the first time. But I don't think I'll be at a disadvantage because I think the way that I was taught it was kind of in a clinical lens. So the important biochem or physiology, I have somewhat of a grasp on for moving forward clinically. In fact, in some ways, might a musical background be an advantage? Those coming from an arts, and in this case, we're talking about music background, 
generally have good communication skills. And I think patients will gravitate to those that communicate well with them. I think that has been a problem in the past with physicians where they focused much more on technical skills and basic science knowledge and less so on those softer or non-technical skills. And I think, again, music candidates, arts candidates as well, generally do well in those. In music school, there's so much self-discipline that I guess you learn <laughs> when you start because I went from being in high school and playing the trumpet a lot and often, but not being super hard on myself to practice every day. And then you start music school and there's an expectation that you practice four to five hours a day on top of having your lessons and having your different orchestral rehearsals and chamber group rehearsals as well. So I think that kind of self-discipline of practicing a lot rolls over into medicine in terms of how much time you have to spend studying every day so that you're keeping on top of things. And that ties into the whole collaboration as well, because I think both in music and medicine, you really want to make sure that you have mastered your own, whether it's a score or in medicine or whether it's making sure that you have enough knowledge on a topic so that when you're in that kind of collaboration mode, you're not letting anyone down. And you can really, whether it's in music or in medicine, if that's making sure that you're collaborating when it comes to patient care. But is that nature or nurture? Perhaps a little of both. Personality is probably a big part of it. The ability to perform under pressure. I think the training that they receive in their undergraduate degree is quite a bit different than what we would generally see in a science major. They're often, I would say, put on the spot and asked to perform, whether it's from a practice point of view or an actual performance. And very different than sitting in a big classroom writing a year-end final. I'm not sure if musicians innately have different personalities or qualities that other people don't have. And I, I'm not sure if it's really, if you're an artist, then you're more empathetic or anything like that. But I think maybe working as a musician and learning to communicate in more ways than just verbally, like whether that's you're in rehearsal or in a performance and you're communicating with the rest of your ensemble through body language or small cues. And I think that could probably aid physicians in their communication styles and learning to pick up on other people's cues. After all, these skills are equally as useful. Someone coming from a pure science background may have a deep understanding of a subject, but can have trouble communicating with others. Another factor to consider, science is always expanding. There's no way a doctor can know it all anymore. These days, again, with entirely different way of accessing knowledge than we would have, say, 15, 20 years ago, there are probably physicians that don't need to have that fundamental knowledge and can still be very good at dealing with patients and the patient's concerns. Knowledge doubles so quickly now that the truth is whatever you knew two years ago may be out of date and the new knowledge increases at such a rapid rate that it's not any more about knowing the stuff, but more knowing how to find the stuff. And so that's a different skill. And so one doesn't need to have studied five years of science in order to be able to, to search effectively. That's primary care physician Dr. Danielle Ofri, clinical professor of medicine at New York University and editor of the Bellevue Literary Review. We need the skills of intuiting things, of deep analysis, of questioning beliefs, of all these intellectual skills that, in fact, really we attribute more to being wise and being smart. And wisdom is a much harder thing to cultivate. And I believe that the arts and humanities and music do cultivate them because they do insist on these more complex cognitive skills. 
of analysis and listening and, and refuting, contemplation, focus, all of these issues come about ambiguity. I mean, dealing with ambiguity is one of the hardest things in medicine, yet we face ambiguity and uncertainty all the time. And we don't really learn that. It's in science so much, but in the arts, you, you know, ambiguity and uncertainty, it's there all the time. In fact, that's what we love about complex and challenging arts. Ofri had a musical background growing up, though she didn't major in it in college. She played the piano, played cello briefly in grade school, and danced in high school. Then after years of being a doctor, she looked for a dance school again to alleviate the burnout many doctors feel. There was something that was just so compelling, and it's even hard to put it into words, but it was partly the music because we had a live pianist, and that was Martha Graham insisted on that, and that remained even past her death. And there was a huge old grand piano with a wonderfully experienced pianist who could play anything. And the movements, they inhabited the music, or together they inhabited the person. And there was something so beguilingly beautiful. And there wasn't much beauty in my daily existence at the time. As a resident at Bellevue Hospital, we were in the height or the depths of the AIDS epidemic, and patients were brutally ill and bleeding and dying and seizing, and, and it was quite graphic and intense. And so being able to be plunged into this beauty, I guess I hadn't realized how much I was missing that. Years later, Ofri went back to her cello, and she was surprised to begin meeting all kinds of hidden musicians among her medical colleagues. But as she's thought about it, she realizes it shouldn't be so surprising at all. I do think there's a lot in common with music and medicine. And I think part of it is the intense listening. I mean, really, when we see a patient, the 80 or 90% of what the evaluation is, is the conversation of the patient telling you their story and you listening and paying attention to details to figure out what, what is ailing them. So I think it's no accident. And, you know, there's a doctor's orchestra here in New York, and there's one in Boston and one in Houston and one in L.A. I think there's one in Philadelphia, and there's two in Europe and one in Israel and one in Australia. And I think there's only one lawyer's orchestra, and there aren't any accountant's orchestras that I've found yet or direct marketers or engineering orchestras, and not that there aren't musicians spread out there, but I think that medicine is a particular attraction for people who overlap to music and art because of the intense interest in the human story and the human spirit. So much of today's world is data, crunching numbers, just the facts. Some of medicine is like that too. But doctors are ultimately dealing with people, their stories, their fears. Ofri says dealing with that successfully makes practicing medicine truly a performance. You can find out more about all of our guests on our website, radiohealthjournal.org. This segment originally aired in February 2020 and was written and produced by Reed Pence. Our lead producer is Kristen Farah. Our executive producer is Amira Zaveri. I'm Elizabeth Westfield. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal. The social perception is that they're not committed or perhaps not skilled enough in just one. And so they're compensating by having a second or third job. A deeper look into the gig economy. Then how to cope with the loss of a parent this Father's Day. It's okay to sit with those feelings. It is okay to accept that you're having a crappy day. It's okay to be sad. It's okay. You're not taking anything away from anyone else. All that and more on Radio Health Journal. 
I'm Nancy Benson, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. They have evolved to be able to interact with us in ways that they can tell us, I'm hungry or I want to get out of this room. Understanding the evolution of the furry felines we love. Then. They're not on the radar screen of teachers and parents because they're more dreamy. They seem oftentimes to get not in trouble as much. Gaining a better understanding of ADHD. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal.